just do it. Just start. Once you get the, the feet moving, uh, it'll pick up pace and you'll start to get the ball rolling in, in huge ways for the organization. And so it can be as simple as running a turnover calculation really quick, um, creating some kind of dynamic visualization dashboard that gives you the updates on um, you know, your diversity, for example, at your organization. But it's really just getting down into the data. And a lot of us don't enjoy doing that, but those of us who do get excited when we uncover some insight that can improve the business. Hey everyone, I'm Joel Primack, host of the Community Leg Growth Show, and today I'm joined by Will Hirsch, Business Intelligence Analyst at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, MSK, and he's also working on getting his master's at NYU's School of Professional Studies in Human Capital Analytics and Technology. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Will. Hi, Joel. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I know the major and uh, pursuits at NYU is a mouthful, but you, you did great. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is a mouthful, but it's great to keep you busy and out of trouble. So it's all good. And that's why we're here today. So let's start off with giving our listeners a quick 30-second intro about yourself. Absolutely. Well, first of all, we went to high school together. So Joel and I go way back. Uh, so that's exciting. Um, but I went to Indiana University, studied human resources management, uh, found my way to Memorial Sloan Kettering and in an internship in the HR department, and then completely changed paths and went into hospital administration uh, at Memorial Sloan Kettering following that. So really just totally jumped career paths, but always knew I wanted to get back into the HR space. And when I came across this human capital analytics program, uh, at NYU, also known as People Analytics, it was the perfect stepping stone for me. So I was completing my school, and now I currently work in a position where I'm doing data visualization work, uh, which largely is impacting uh, the way hospital operations are run at Memorial Sloan Kettering. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And then to give our listeners a quick overview or like point of reference for today's conversation, um, everyone should think about companies and organizations as a community for the point of this conversation, because that's really what we're going to be talking most about from a people analytics and analytics of communities and therefore companies and organizations. It's an important point to make, Joel. Um, you know, organizations really do foster this community that we are seeing so often nowadays. You see brands like Amazon and even Tesla or Mac who have these large community gatherings, um, you know, sometimes because of the leaders of the organization, but also built, you know, by, by foundational leaders um, who aren't the public figures to, to, you know, really generate these communities and keep conversations alive and really have uh, ground soldiers for the, for the movements these organizations are trying to accomplish. Definitely. And then there, on the flip side of that, there are some amazing B2B tech companies that are also doing that, like Salesforce, they have strong internal company cultures. And then also like Drift, they have their set of key rituals that are still true to this day, which are amazing to see. Um, but getting a little bit back into the conversation of people analytics. So from a broad point of view, let's start off with what's the value of people analytics to an organization, company, or community? That's a tough but great question that we're frequently asked is what's the value add here for people analytics? Um, it, it's not a one size fits all. So that's what I'll begin to say is every organization 
uh, in every different industry, every different sector has a different angle of what they're trying to accomplish with people analytics. A lot of the time it is workforce planning. So figuring out how your labor is turning over, who's coming, who's going, um, and then figuring out effective hiring practices that is an enjoyable process. You know, we don't want to go through an interview feeling like it's work. You want to be excited about kind of the opportunity and, and the chance you have to work with this organization. So people analytics really should not be limited to just the scope of HR. Uh, it, like I mentioned in my daily work, um, I do data visualization to enhance hospital operations and make clinical decisions. Um, and, and really that in my mind is people analytics work too. Um, it may be hospital data, we may be thinking about patient care, but in my eyes, it's still people analytics. Um, the data we're crunching and the things we're figuring out, the insights we're looking into really do affect people at the end of the day, be it employees, be it patients, doctors, et cetera. That's very, that's such a good point to note that like, even if you're looking at something through a different lens, it can still ultimately result in the impact of people. So I love that point. Thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. But diving a little bit deeper into a few categories of people analytics, what are some examples or use cases or ways you'd measure the value of people analytics in relation to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging at companies or communities? Diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Uh, HR is really doing a better job nowadays of making sure the workplace is fair and legitimate. It's kind of a responsibility that's been uh, a necessity for a number of years. And people analytics really does help uncover how diverse our workforce is just from a numbers level, but also we can uncover other insights about how our hiring practices may be biased. Um, if we've written certain algorithms, um, perhaps looking deeper into those to uncover the human bias that has somewhat crept into those algorithms. Um, for, for example, resume sorters. A lot of companies have automated resume sorters nowadays. That can be biased based on name, based on the school you went to, based on a number of different factors. Some of them are helpful for, for weeding out people who are underqualified or maybe even overqualified for a position. But a lot of times there is bias in that process. And we want to make sure everything is fair and legitimate. So for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, People Analytics really has a special place because if you're doing this work, you're really opening up to your community that you care about them. And that really does help build community within your organization and just you know word of mouth too. If you go home at the end of the day and talk to someone else at a different organization and you tell them, hey, my company is looking at these things and we're working on hiring you know, more diverse candidates, uh, you know, not just diversity in terms of ethnicity, but of thought too. The person you're speaking to will be kind of amazed and, and jealous you know, that your company is taking the considerations of so many different people into one bucket. Uh, and, and they'll feel bad about their home organization for not doing that. <laughs> well, I think that that's a great point. You brought up ethnicity, and that's usually one of like the major types of diversity. But then there are also others, whether it's sexual orientation, religion, location and geography, or in oh, yeah. even age, I know is a big one too, especially in some sectors. So I think that those are great points. And then... Oh, yeah, go for it, Will. Oh, I was just going to hop in, too. And, and something that's become another area of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and belonging, and the all-encompassing title, um, is, is really this idea of work preference. And we've seen it come up because of the pandemic. If someone isn't comfortable coming into the office, unless it's a necess necessity for the job, uh, there, there really should be flexible options for remote work for most of us. Um, so 
nowadays we have to respect that. We have to respect people having a preference to work from home. So that's now another rung on the D and I scale. Definitely. Um, but I think that's a perfect segue then into the next category that I was going to ask you to speak about, which is engagement and efficiency within organizations. What does that look like? Give us some examples, share just like your knowledge on this topic, because I think it's so impactful if people aren't being either engaged or, and or efficient with their time, then that's just not in the right direction that companies want their people to be going. You're absolutely right, Joel. And when it comes to these discussions about engagement and efficiency, um, I always kind of try to think about them as tangibles, even though they are intangibles. So what I mean by that is you can't define engagement or efficiency in one sentence, and it's going to be different at different organizations, right? Different industries, et cetera. So trying to make these intangible ideas more edible, I guess, and real. Um, and, and, and a comparison is turnover at an organization. You can very clearly see this many people joined, this many people left. Here's our number. Here's our turnover. Something like efficiency and engagement, these are what we call kind of surrogate measures. And these are measures that you need to put different metrics together from and create a formula that does work as some kind of factual output for engagement or efficiency. Um, an example would be like a sales-based role. Um, you, can, you can understand their efficiency based on maybe how much new business they're bringing to the company, what their sales are like, um, you know, customer relationships. That's one driver of how efficient they would be with their work because they are measured very clearly on sales. But a lot more goes into it, how they interact with other um, employees at the organization. If they have a good relationship with their manager, if their home work-life balance is you know, reasonable. These are all things that play into how efficient someone may be. Maybe if some news article broke and they spent an hour reading it, um, you know, that's not very uh, engaged in their work, but, you know, that also has to do with their efficiency is, you know, we're all human. We all take lunch breaks. We all have, you know, needs and, and things we need to do during the workday. So trying to figure out, you know, the, the right equation, getting back to it for how we're measuring engagement and efficiency is really important. And it really does vary from every position, uh, every different organization and every different rung of the hierarchy, honestly. Yeah, no, I think that that's a great point to make, especially in terms of that it looks different at every organization because not everyone is going to be a square or not everyone's going to be a circle. Sometimes you need to be a triangle and just like do your own thing and carve your own path. So I think that that's a Absolutely. great point when you're talking about analytics like this. So organizational network analysis or ONA, helping companies better understand the relationships with in their organization. So can you help explain what this actually is for us and then how it applies to companies, organizations, and or communities in our case? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think similarly, it can be applicable to any number of communi communities. It doesn't have to just be inside the organization um, or just outside the organization. But outside of the organization, ONA is a little bit more difficult to do because you usually don't have uh, metadata that tells you where strong relationships lie in these communities or in these networks um, and where weak relationships rely. So with, within an organization, you have uh, company email metadata that allows you to really look into who's communicating with who 
And this isn't a Will communicating with Joel. It's usually a, a business intelligence analyst communicating with, uh, let's say, the podcast host. And so you can see what different departments are interacting a lot based on the email's metadata. And you can start to understand basically and build this spider web of a network um, that's an incredibly complex. But at the end of the day, it's just lines coming from different departments. And you can really see which ones have many lines and which ones have few lines. So that is understanding the organization's network and then running the analysis to figure out what impact is this having on our business? If our product marketing team isn't talking to our sales team, that's a big problem. <laughs> so we need to strengthen those connections. Or if, uh, for example, there's only one connection holding one department to another, kind of that intermediary, if they leave the organization, boom, there goes all those connections to those two teams. So kind of making sure there's a backup plan for when attrition happens, um, but also just taking a look at your network to understand really where those strong and weak points are so that you can work on improving or maybe even sometimes lessening communications. No, I think that that's definitely a good point to make in terms of finding that right balance, which is what you were touching on right at the end. I think that that's super important because there is such a thing. As much as sometimes people I think don't like to admit, over-communication can be a thing too. So I think that that's yeah. a great use for uncovering that. Um, and then the last category that I really wanted to dive into how people analytics really can help an organization or a community is hiring. So tons of companies are hiring right now, even though that we're in the middle of a pandemic. So how does people analytics actually help those companies hire better, smarter, faster? It's a wonderful question, Joel. And so I'll start by saying a lot of it does have to do with benchmarking, um, see, seeing your competitors, seeing how their interview process may go. Um, and understanding from the ground up what they're doing that's different, that might be attracting higher talent. Um, we have resources nowadays like Glassdoor that kind of give us a little peek on the inside, but unless you really have a, a qualitative word of mouth anecdote about what the process was, um, it's tough to know exactly the inner workings and what makes something successful or unsuccessful. So again, uh, relating it to people analytics, um, it's establishing the data that you have on your interview process, you know, maybe or like exit interviews, for example, that kind of tells you about the employee's entire experience, not just from the beginning of in hiring, but throughout the time at the organization. So you can run analysis to figure out, you know, very basically a, a quantitative study to, to, to crunch the numbers and see how pleasing it was to go through the process of being employed at your organization. Um, but kind of expanding off of that. You need to set goals when hiring. Uh, obviously, we need to bring talent on. Jobs need to be filled. The doors need to stay open. The lights need to stay on. Um, but but also figuring out you know what that sweet spot of how many employees do we actually need, um, and how many jobs are you know necessary to keep the doors open, to keep the lights on. Um, so once you understand that and you've set real goals for for growth, um, maybe for a, an, an unexpected pandemic and how we're going to get through this by you know keeping our employees engaged and uh, at work. Um, these these are all things that you can figure out using uh, employee data and other you know sources that have gathered data through surveys or again, qualitative word of mouth, for example. But overall, it's really just figuring out what angle you wanna take in the hiring process and how enjoyable you wanna make it for those people. Um, at the end of the day, it really is a matter of 
making the person feel like they belong, creating that sense of community right from the beginning, right from the first interview, first email, um, setting the tone and being friendly and coming across as this position, you know, was made for you. We want you. That will make that employee's journey at your organization that much more enjoyable, but they'll also oftentimes put a better output, you know, into the system, add more, connect with more people, work harder to spread the word about your wonderful organization. And these are all things that will pay massive dividends for the organization at the end of the day. Definitely would agree. Cannot argue with any of those. Those are great <laughs> outcomes for using people analytics to better your hiring process. So I definitely agree with that for sure. Last question, as we're coming up on time here. So what's one tip you would give an organization, whether it's a company, whether it's a community on their people analytics journey when they're just starting out? It's a fantastic question. One that so many organizations are asking nowadays is how do we get started in this work? What do we do? And, and my recommendation is a simple one. It's just do it, just start. Once you get the, the feet moving, uh, it'll pick up pace and you'll start to get the ball rolling in, in huge ways for the organization. And so it can be as simple as running a turnover calculation really quick, um, creating some kind of dynamic visualization dashboard that gives you the updates on um, you know, your diversity, for example, at your organization. But it's really just getting down into the data and a lot of us don't enjoy doing that, but those of us who do get excited when we uncover some insight that can improve the business. Um, when, when I go to these hospital operations managers um, and, and bring them these unique visualizations that do uncover a lot of things about the organization we can't see just based on the numbers in an Excel sheet, um, it's exciting for me to, to present that, to find these you know, hid, hidden gems within our data. And I think that's the best recommendation I can give to any organization starting the people analytics journey is just get it going. Look, look at something, take, 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 take a moment to figure out what is important to your organization and what maybe you might not be doing as well as you have in the past or could be, and then start to look at that data and try to figure out why. Ask questions. It'll, it'll always lead to some sort of answer. That's great. And thank you so much. Will, again, thank you so much for being on the Community Leg Growth Show today. If people want to follow or connect with you, what are the best channels and or handles for them to use? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, full name is William Hirsch. Um, I'm, I'm sure you can probably pin something below, um, you know, giving them my information. But uh, Business Intelligence Analyst at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Um, happy to connect over email as well at WFHirsch, my last name, six at gmail.com. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Will, and hope you have a great day. Oh, one more thing, uh, just, just as a little closer to people analytics relating to community. Um, when this work is being done, uh, employees should kind of be the cheerleaders around the organization for it. Like I mentioned before, if you spread through word of mouth to other employees that this work is being done, it will actually excite people about working there because you feel more cared for. You feel like not under a microscope, but that your employment there matters and it's being looked at. So it, it's really important that this people analytics work is being done to create the sense of belonging, improve these communities that organizations do create um, and that the employees within them also perpetuate. So just, just a little closing point. <laughs> to add on to your closing point, I think that that's a perfect kind of like nail on this of 
what you're really talking about is the whole thing of an employee experience. That's what it is. Similarly to how we talk about customer experience or that of members of a community, you want everybody to have a great experience when interacting with your organization, no matter what type of organization it actually is. You got it spot on, Joel. See, I'm thinking of stuff along the way. Well, <laughs> great. Thank you so much for that. Have a great day, Will. Thanks, Joel.